Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and it is here. People, sound the alarms. It is officially here. It is state championship week in the GHSA. Final Fours gave us some great games, and now the finish line is officially here. In the Macon Centerplex, starting on Wednesday, March 10th, the 2020 2021 GHSA Basketball State Championships put a capper on a wild, wild, wild season. Again, we didn't know if we were going to have a season this year. We didn't know if it was going to be cut short, quarantines, this, that, and the other. But we are here, everybody, and it's time to break down every single game. Um, we'll preface this at the top that we are going to go in order of the games, not going from top to bottom, 7A to 1A public. We are going to break it down in order of these games are going to be played. March 10th, a Wednesday, we will start with Class A Private, 12 o'clock and 2.30, and then 4A, 5 o'clock and 7.30. March 11th, a Thursday, it's Class 2A, starting at 12 and 2.30, and then 5A at 5 and 7.30. Friday, March 12th, we have 3A basketball at 12 and 2.30, 6A at 5 and 7.30, and March 13th, the final day of the GHSA basketball season on a Saturday, Class A public, 10 a.m. and 12.30, and then we come back after the adapted sports championships in between, 7A, 5.30, and prime time, 8 p.m. That's the schedule. Let's give you a quick rundown on how we did on our picks in the final four. We went 25 of 32. As far as picks goes, we hit 13 out of 16 final four games correctly on the boys' side and 12 out of 16 on the girls' side. So if you've been listening to the Spielman and Dillon podcast throughout the postseason, for the most part, you've gotten a a good gist of what's going to happen. Now, of course, there's upsets and surprises here and there, but for the most part, I haven't led you too far astray from what has actually occurred. But now, I think we're done with my talking. It's time to talk about Class A Private. And Class A Private, as we mentioned, 12 o'clock on Wednesday. How did we get here? We got here with Hebron beating Galloway 68-54. to Malia Fisher going to Rice had 18 points and 8 rebounds. Carly Hedger going to Samford. Had 14.6 rebounds, 6 assists. We had Jesse Parrish with 14 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. Carly Fahey going to North Carolina. Um, Asheville, she had 12 points. And then Nicole Azar going to Sanford. She had a quiet game of 5 points. But everybody contributed. They now see St. Francis, who got, well, I wouldn't say they got the monkey off their back completely. Um, but St. Francis back in the state title game where they lost a year ago to Holy Innocence. They, they uh, cleansed themselves of that bad memory last year when they lost. They beat St. Francis 58-50. to uh, They had uh, some good contributions as far as uh, getting some big games from Maya Moore going to Mississippi State. She had a nice output. Uh, she went for 22 points. You saw freshman Samaya White score 12 points, Ryan Tillis, a junior, and uh, Trenise Taylor, a sophomore, 
eight points apiece inside. Um, so now it's St. Francis and it's Hebron. What do we think will happen here? I mean, I think Hebron is, uh, they have the depth advantage. I know St. Francis has a lot of talent as well. Um, but I think we're looking at a Hebron team that pretty much all seniors for the most part. And this is a team that fell short a year ago. So they, they, they've been on a mission, um, since the very beginning of this season starting. Um, and I, it's, you know, I, I think we're, you're looking at St. Francis where they might have the advantage a little bit is um, just their creativity with the ball at the guard spot. Maya Moore, really good, can get to the basket, really shifty and can score at all levels, as can Erica Moon, a really talented sophomore who I think is going to take a, a big leap next year and really put that team on her back. Um, but I think the, the size inside, not a lot of teams can match up with Hebron and their, and their overall length. Um, but St. Francis does have some very good size inside. We talked about uh, Trenise Taylor uh, has been big throughout the year. They have uh, Wyatt, who has some size as well, or at least some length at the very least. Ryan Tillis is 5'11". Um, and Asia Hall, if she gets in, she's about 6'4". So there are some big bodies um, that can be thrown out there to try and slow down that interior game of um, Fisher and Parrish, and I think the game, you know, we're, we're going to see a, a offensive rebounding and just eliminating second chances. That's going to be a big part in this game. Who do I think will win this game? I, I opened up the season with Hebron number one. I picked Hebron to win the state championship uh, at the beginning of this podcast uh, when we started the, the state playoff preview. So I'm going to go with Hebron. St. Francis, It's it's been some time since I've won a state championship and you know in years past they've had had um at least what it felt like to me um the better team on paper a a few years uh, but they could never really get over the hump and now I think Hebron comes in with more of a target on their back this year I think they are the team that I would think most people would assume should be the favorite um but St. Francis they haven't won since 2016 but I do feel like they might be playing with a little bit of house money here considering how good Hebron has been, and uh, you know that's a veteran-laden group. But I'm going with Hebron here. I think St. Francis, uh, you know, just down the stretch, they might run out of gas there. But I think this game is going to go down to the wire. Uh, again, when you have great guard play and Moore and Moon, you have a shot. But they have to make sure that they can test shots <laughs> from Hebron with Nicole Azar. If she gets hot from deep, that's going to be very troublesome because when she's hitting the outside shot, with Carly Fahey and the rest of that perimeter shooting team, that's going to open up things inside for Parrish and Fisher and Hedger and all that talented length that can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside. And I think Hebron is just going to have a little bit more. And I like this team. Jan Azar, she's gotten the job done. It's not very often that she loses in the postseason. And for that reason, I am going with Hebron Christian to capture a state title which would be, let's see, looks like it would be their first ever state championship. No surprise there. She's turned it into a powerhouse in very due time. Next up, let's shift it over and look at Class A Private, the boys. What do we have in the boys? Well, we have another really good game. We have Holy Innocence. They were able to get the job done. They beat St. Francis 59 to 46. Um, you know, it was a nip and tuck game. They hit some shots 
uh, early in that fourth quarter that really extended the lead for them. I thought their role players really came up huge in this game uh, when you're considering guys like I think Walker Wolf played a very good game. Justin, um, Justin Wilson was very strong, as always. Garrison Powell led the way. But it was a big win. You had 23 points, 4 assists from Powell in this 59-46 win. You had Justin Wilson, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. And Landon Cardian, 13 points and 6 rebounds. And you got to give, you know, tip your cap to St. Francis. They, again, we, we harped on it all throughout the postseason. They had a skeleton crew as far as what they expected to have heading into the season, but still made it to the Final Four. But I think Holy Innocence, their defense has just been so good throughout the season, and they are playing for a state title where they will see Mount Pisgah, our number one ranked team in the state. Um, they, they pulled out a 66-57 win against Christian Heritage. It was you know, a close game pretty much all throughout. Uh, just had a little bit more as far as you know, town and depth, and they just had a little bit more to choose from. You know, on the road in a very tough environment over there at the Den in Dalton. Um, but you did have 12 points from JoJo Peterson, Nick Spiros, Chase Tucker, and Kashim Grady all scored 11 points. Garrett Sutherland had 10, and Nate Gordon scored 6. So that pretty much goes to show you they just had that really good balance, really good depth. And, you know, they're big They're big, big guards on the perimeter, very athletic. And that's that's going to be interesting to see who is going to defend Garrison Powell of Holy Innocence. And I think you're looking at this Mount Pisgah team that has a lot of options. They can throw multiple 6'4 and 6'5, very athletic, very um, sound defenders uh, at you that, that can defend him. And, that, and, you know, you put one on him, that doesn't mean, okay, you're you're completely lost as far as guarding Justin Wilson. You have another 6'4 or 6'5 guard wing type player so coach Hicksonball he has a lot to choose from as far as who he can throw defensively if they choose to play man and I think you know Nate Gordon he, he should be a big factor in this game as well Holy Innocence doesn't have a, a a ton of size inside I think uh, Verlander gives them some size and some physicality and I think even Walker Wolf goes in there and mixes it up with Landon Cardian but Nate Gordon at six foot seven He's a good rim protector. He's a good rebounder. I think he might play a key role in limiting second chance opportunities. And if this game get, gets into the um, you know full court up and down, up and down, I do tend to think Mount Pisca should have an advantage. Now, it's not just all guys going to the rack. You, you have Chase Tucker who can knock down threes and loosen up the defense. And Spiros has been a, a quality perimeter scorer throughout his career as well. And this is a Pisca team that does have a lot of seniors um, who has built and built and built, and now they're at that pinnacle. Um, Coach Mario Mays has done a fantastic job for Holy Innocence as far as his defense goes. I mean, he switches it up, switches it up so well, you know, with the one three one defense and this and that, and he always keeps you off balance. So I'm looking at this game. If this game's played in the in the forties or the fifties, I would tend to think the advantage is more so going towards holy innocence the lower the scoring the more it's in favor of holy innocence if this game's up in the 60s and you know reaching the 70s i feel like that's going to be in pisca's favor even though you know you look at pisca what they've scored in the postseason they've been pretty consistent 63 points 62 points 62 points 66 points you know not not shattering the the scoreboard by any measure but Holy Innocence, you look at what they've done, 63 points, 41 points, 58 points, 59 points. So 
Mount Pisgah, not a huge gap as far as how many more points they're scoring per game, but you see uh, they've been able to get into 60 every single game throughout the postseason, all four games so far. And Holy Innocence, uh, they only cracked 60 points once, and that was in the opening round. Um, I think Mount Pisgah, as I said, I just think they're going to have a little bit you know, too many weapons. Garrison Powell is going to have a lot on his plate as far as having to score the ball. Uh, they're going to need to get key contributions as well um, surrounding him and Justin Wilson. I just feel like Mount Pisgah, this is the number one ranked team in the state. It's a team I picked to win it all when the brackets came out. I just think that they have a lot of firepower, a lot of size, a lot of talent. MJ Winter as well, another good defender. There's just a lot that Coach Hicksonball can turn to in a pinch to throw multiple guys at a Powell or at a, uh, a Wilson if they do get hot. He can switch up his defense and switch up his personnel. Um, I think maybe a lot more easier uh, than Holy Innocence can. I think Mount Pisgah, going to be close, but I think Mount Pisgah in the end pulls away late and s- captures a, uh, a state title and gets a job done. And they've been one of the best teams um, all season long as far as Class A private goes. They had a little bit of a lull when they went in, and uh, they, I, I want to say they went to – Florida and they played some tough like prep schools and everything uh, but other than that this has been a good team I mean they took care of business they won that number one seed in convincing fashion against St. Francis so I think Mount Pisgah I think they win their first ever state title and now let's take a peek let's move on to class 4a we have 4a now um, this has been a, a crazy classification, uh, obviously more so on the boys' side than the girls' side, and we'll start on the girls' side, but Class 4A, you know, I, we picked three out of those four final four teams correctly, um, and, you know, we got one of two as far as who's playing for the, the state title, but let's break that down and see what we have. Um, left-hand side, we had Carver-Columbus. They had a scare. It wasn't easy against that, that four-seed. Cedar Schultz was just so tough. They, they peaked at the right time. So tough, Cedar Shoals. But Carver Columbus puts them away 74-70. Kiana Gaines going to Clemson. Made some plays late. She's just so physical, so strong, so athletic. Just gets to the rim at will when she wants to and can finish. And then you have um, you know, Anishon Jones providing some, some big size inside and can block shots and can rebound and clean up misses. And Demaya Beecham and uh, a quality guard. The list goes on and on and on. They do have weapons to certainly choose from, um, but they will be playing a, uh, a Cairo team who beat Troop 55-51, home court advantage here, I heard the whistles were controversial to say the least, Troop had a double digit lead, and then um, from multiple sources I heard it was, it got pretty bad as far as the whistles go, but you have to give Cairo credit for even being in a game close enough to hang around, and come up with the win late. And I think this is a good K-Row team. I've been saying it all season long. They were about to be ranked, and then they lost to, I want to say it might have been Bainbridge who they lost to. And I had them circle. I said, K-Row, a uh, uh, clean week right here. They're going to be ranked. Uh, but they lost 46-35 to Bainbridge. And that, you know, they just couldn't get into the top 10 because everyone else kept winning. And again, Cairo has been a, a quality team. Now, who they beat in, in this run? West Lawrence was seven and thirteen. Hardaway was a solid team uh, who finished the season what eleven and five. They beat them by ten points. They won at home against Pickens. 
who we had at like maybe number 10 in the state at one point, 51 to 49. And then they beat Troop, which was a, a very good win. But, I mean, Cairo, they've been living right. They have all these home games. So you have Pickens County driving like four or five hours down south. Um, Troop, I know it wasn't a short bus ride for them either. Um, but now they're not going to have that home court advantage. They're going to have to play at the Coliseum, the centerplex, against a team that has been there before. Um, you know, Cairo, how they got here. Uh, Ambria Vicks is really good. She had 18 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 steals. Uh, Shambria Vicks, 11 points and 6 rebounds. Uh, she was a, our key player. And then you're going to look at Leah Perry inside. She's going to have to have a really big game uh, dealing with uh, Jones. You know, she's about 6'2", 6'3". She is going to take up a lot of size. And not many teams can match up with Carver's size. And Perry's average 11 points and close to 10 rebounds per game. She's about 6'1", close to 2 blocks per game. This could be a big statement game for her. If she can put together a good performance against Carver's front line, um, that'll be big for her recruitment. You know, a senior going into the off season. I'm not sure if she's got a uh, got a home just quite yet, but you could say the same about Ambria Vicks, like all these players. You're on the big stage now. People have heard about you. Now you're really testing yourself against some of the best of the best. I think uh, Vicks, she, she gives them a chance. She definitely gives them a, a puncher's chance in this one. But looking at this Carver team, if Carver plays up to their potential, I mean, it sounds like they had a controversial win over Jefferson in the Elite Eight. Maybe a point was added on that wasn't supposed to be there. Um, but either way, I think Carver comes into this game as a favorite. Uh, Kiana Gaines is really tough, but I think if, if Cairo can turn her into an outside shooter, keep her out of the lane, and overall in general, if they can keep Carver and try to push them outside of the paint and make them score from, you know, outside of 10 feet, Cabra will have a shot to win this one. Um, but I'm going to go with my my pick of Carver-Columbus. I just think they're going to be too strong. But I do think Cabra will definitely um, have a very good game. And they're, they're going to be right there. They're going to have opportunities throughout this game. But I do think Carver-Columbus is going to be a little bit too tough, a little bit too big, a little bit too experienced to beat this Cairo team. And on the boys' side, it has been a topsy-turvy um, bracket. You know, it's been a crazy classification. Now, we, we did go two for two on our picks right here. The South, um, they, they ran out of words to say, unfortunately, but they did have a great, a great season as Westover fell 59-250 to Fayette County. Caleb Banks didn't have a monster game, but... 16 points, 3 assists. Cardell Bailey, 15 points, 6 rebounds, 5 blocks. RJ Kennedy, 13 points. And then Terry Brown, 8.7 rebounds and 5 assists. And that's that's Fayette County. They they have a lot of guys that can really hurt you. That's a, that's a good team. That's an athletic team. That's a fairly long team. They have a lot of good pieces. And again, we, I kept saying this throughout the season. If you read any of our rankings analysis, even when Fayette County fell out, I said, yes, it's at the end of the rope because they have a bad record. But again, every single loss they were having was against very good teams, ranked teams, state tournament teams. I said, do not count out Fayette County. So them playing for a state title, literally no surprise whatsoever to me. Not a surprise whatsoever. You have one of the best players in the state, and you played a ridiculously hard schedule in Class 4A. That is why Coach Flynn does it. He prepares his team for when it matters the most. And when it matters the most, it is early March, and now they march to Macon. 
And they will see Baldwin. Baldwin, wowie zowie. Um, if the scoreboard was correct, they were down. They were definitely down early on in that game. And they came back and won and beat McDonough 46-42. And you got to give McDonough a lot of credit. This is a young team. All these guys are going to be back next year. That's a team that <laughs> should be a force to be reckoned with. Um, but the other day, it was just Baldwin's night. They came on strong. You know, that they had the... Uh, uh, they had that home court advantage, and, uh, you know, McDonough, they were up 27-15 at the half, but Baldwin kept chipping and chipping and chipping away. Rudolph Satcher with 16 points. Shatavis Hogan with 10 points. Uh, William Freeman, 9 points. Jacoby Nixon, 7 points. And again, as I said in that last podcast, you know, you're not going to be able to just box and one one player. Baldwin is so balanced. Everyone could hit you up for 10 to 12 points. And I think my my uh, my famous quote was, uh, "Their socks were gonna get wet." You keep pushing, putting your your finger in the holes of the dam and trying to clog the dike, but eventually that dam will break, and that dam did break. And Baldwin scored four more points than McDonough, and sometimes that's all it takes. But a huge effort from Baldwin because they could have laid over, and uh, you know found themselves down twelve at the half with only fifteen points, but they really turned it up. So now we have Baldwin versus Fayette County. Uh, both teams, as we said, have a, a lot of guys that can give you multiple, you know, double-digit points is what I'm trying to say. I think Fayette County, their length is going to be an issue. Baldwin doesn't have a ton of great size. You know, a lot of, you know, 6'1", 6'2", guards play very well together. They have you know, very good guard play, obviously. But Fayette County with Caleb Banks at 6'8", and Cardell Bailey's about 6'5", and Terry Brown 6'5", and these are versatile players, and they're long. And I worry, I, I wonder who's going to guard Caleb Banks. Can Do they have anyone that can really contest? Because once he gets up and rises up for those outside shots, he's just going to shoot over anyone Baldwin throws at them. And I think Baldwin, their style of play, just coming at you, attacking and attacking and playing very good defense. Anthony Webb is a... A very good coach, uh, definitely a very, very good coach, and he has he has a lot of experience. He's been to state titles before. Uh, he he's been there, been there, done that. Um, you know, with some great battles against Wilkinson County throughout the years when he was at Hancock. So he has uh, he's really risen this Baldwin team to a, another level. They've been really good in the years past. Would get to the final four, but now they're finally playing for a state title, and it is um, you know Baldwin trying to capture. Their first state title since 1981. Um, but I do think Fayette County with their size, that's just going to be really, really tough. Caleb Banks, I think that being the best player on the floor, I think that's going to be causing a lot of issues. I think offensive rebounds. And I know Baldwin has some guys that can go and get it off the glass. But I do think Fayette County, um, it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be closer towards a, you know, a home game. Macon's not too far from Milledgeville. Uh, but I do... Like Fayette County in this one, I think Baldwin's going to scrap and claw to the very end. But I do foresee Fayette County getting the job done, pulling away, just having a little bit too much talent and a little bit too much size. And Fayette County finally, finally, finally getting over the hump and winning their first ever state title. On to day number two, March 11th, a Thursday we start with the Class 2A girls at 12 p.m. We have Fannin County. A little bit of a Cinderella story, maybe. Not not a huge amount, but still. 
they will be playing Josie. And just looking at these two teams in the top 10 polls, Josie was ranked number 10. They were the two seed out of Region 4. Fannin County, the one seed out of Region 7, ranked number 8. How did we get here? Josie, 47-43 over Washington County. They trailed early on, but they came back and won. Um, Aquias Cody, 17 points. Uh, Ariana Booker had 9 points. And Jamaria Mitchell, 8 points to get the win. And Fannin County, boy, oh boy, I tuned in. I'm glad I did. What a thrilling win for Fannin County at home. They don't have the home court advantage anymore. North Georgia, toughest place to play this time of year with all things considered. But what a play. Courtney Davis, the, the young little freshman, picks Butler's pocket clean with about five, six seconds left, gets the steal, races it down, throws a, you know, has to use her entire body to throw this pass down the floor, delivers a dime, and you can see this on Kyle Sandy 355 on Twitter, uh, throws a, a bullet pass to Becca Ledford, their star player who catches it, you know, on the left side of the basket on, and full strike, catches it and goes up with the right hand on the left side, you know, tough angle and sneaks it in, rolls it in at the buzzer for a 43-41 win. Fannin County beats Butler and they go crazy in this one. And shoot, I mean, Fannin County is living right right now. They, they they withstand 41 points from Michaela Timpson and win 66-64 in the Elite Eight, and then they win 43-41 a buzzer beater against Butler. And now they're seeing a Josie team who has just been getting better and better and better as the season goes on. And this is a Josie team that has lost to this Butler team that Fannin County just beat. So, I mean, everything you think you know, you, you got to throw out the window at this point. I think Fannin County... They win this game if they're able to knock down their outside shots. Uh, but Coach Bailey over there at Josie's a very good coach, and they have a lot of guards and a lot of long and very athletic guards. So I'd have to assume that they're going to know to uh, be able to kind of chase off these three-point shooters on the three-point line and force them into being drivers. And Fannin County does have some girls that can drive, Reagan York being one of them. Um, she's had a really good season. Um, but I do think Josie, they, they're going to understand the game plan. I think if they limit outside shots, that will make it uh, difficult for Phantom. But Phantom plays really good defense, very fundamentally sound. And, um, you know, they're going to have a lot of fans at that game, as will Josie. Um, Phantom County's beat the best of the best. I mean, there's no reason to think Phantom County cannot win this game. They beat early, we said. They just beat Butler. But Josie's been racking up wins, too. They beat East Lawrence. They beat Elbert County. They just beat Waco um, and did so on the road. They did, you know, looking at that, they, they've done it all on the road for the most part. Elbert County was at the Inferno. Oh, at the Inferno. And then it was at Washington County. So now it's a, a, a neutral site finally for Josie. And Josie's been here before a couple years back when they fell to Laney. They weren't able to get the job done. I think all four or five of their losses that year were to Laney, but Laney is in the rearview mirror. Now it's just Josie versus Fannin County, Augusta versus Blue Ridge, North Georgia versus, I guess you could say that is East Georgia. So, again, I think if Fannin County can protect the ball, if Becca Ledford can score some points, you know, getting downhill and knocking down those outside shots, if Courtney Davis gets hot, 
I think Fannin County is going to have a really good chance. Natalie Thomas is a very dangerous shooter as well. But one thing that you might want to keep an eye on is the backdrop. This is not a high school backdrop. So there is some death perception when you play in arenas um, like the Macon Centerplex. So that is something to potentially keep an eye on. Can Fannin County calibrate their outside shot and be ready to shoot in a foreign in a foreign foreign setting? Um, I think that could potentially play a role, but I think Fannin County has as good a shot to win this one as anybody. But I think I am going to go with Josie. I just do think they might be able to cause some issues with their athleticism on defense. And I think it's now or never, but Keshawna Brown, she's got all these high major offers. We haven't quite seen it just yet. You know, it's a little bit here. It's a tease here. It's a, a flash there. But Kashana Brown, a 5'10 guard, you know, if all these offers are true with Georgetown and North Florida and Seton Hall and Cincinnati and Gardner-Webb and Florida A&M, it's time to play like you're a Division I player. So only a junior, but it's time. It is time. It is time. It is time. Throw the potential out the window. It is time for Kishana Brown to play like a young bull like her Twitter suggests it is time to be a Division I player and be the best player on the floor. Maybe she puts it together. Who knows? But I do think Josie is going to go as Deja Huck goes. She's been their most consistent guard. And I do think Josie will find a way to advance and win a state title. That would be, uh, to my knowledge, that looks like that would be Josie's first state title since 1998. And I think Coach Bailey... We'll get it done in a very nip-and-tuck game. Now we will look at the Class 2A boys, which will tip off, or I guess inbound, at 2.30. Class 2A boys, and it's no surprise, Columbia, I think we had them ranked number four in our, our final poll. Uh, they play number one Pace Academy. Pace is 27-1. and one. Columbia 21-6. This is a number one seed from Region 1. Number one seed from Region 6 is Pace Academy. The three seed was Columbia, but um, Columbia got the job done. They beat Lovett, who they lost to in the, I want to say, was was in the region tournament. Um, Columbia hit 13 straight free throws at one point, and Aschatuga, they did the same thing. Kalsiki Ricks knocks down free throws. This is a close game, and they have a lead late. He is going to put the ball in the basket, but he finished with 14 points and eight rebounds. Mason Lockhart had 14 points. Julius Lyman 10 points and 7 rebounds. And Rashad Hedges, young guard, had 10 points. So they won 67-52 over Lovett. And now they play the heavy favorite. And again, we saw the same thing. It's been the same thing the past three rounds. Outside of a bloodbath against Dade County, Pace County has said, hey, Give us your best shot in the first half, and everyone has. It's always been a tie game at half or a single possession game, and that's the issue. If, if you're not up on Pace Academy by multiple possessions in the first half, then they just blow past you in the second half, and that's what we saw again. They pulled out a 56-44 win on the road at Thomasville, uh, but again, it was a nip-and-tuck game at the half. It was either tied or they were up three points maybe. You got to get Pace Academy early. You have to get Pace Academy early. This is not like we'll talk about later, like 3A, where Sandy Creek, they come out gangbusters in the first quarter and they, they just they win the game in the first quarter and the game's over. Pace Academy does not do that. They 
take a while to get into their flow. And once they hit halftime, then they put the foot on the gas and they accelerate past the competition. But if this game, you know, don't be surprised is what I'm trying to say. If this game is close in the first half, don't be surprised. But it's what this, you know, what this team does in the third quarter, that's what separates Pace Academy from the rest of the competition. They're really able to extend leads in the third quarter. So if Columbia wants to win this game, I'm feeling like they have to have, you know, a six or eight point lead. You got to have somewhat of a cushion. Like we saw the exact same thing. These teams always that come out flat against Jefferson did the exact same thing in the state title game last year. And then they turned it on in the second half. And it's all about making adjustments and Sherman White does so, but they have not from opening inbound to final buzzer, just crushed team since Dade County. Every game has been okay, feeling out process. Then they, you know, put on the afterburners in the second half. They beat Banks by 30. They beat Butler by 14. And then they beat Thomasville by 12. But it's getting a little closer and closer and closer. And these two teams, they met early in the season. It looks like it was in um, January. Pace County won 67-56. Um, they're looking at Cole Middleton had 21 points in that game. Josh Reed had 14. Madison Durr 11. And Matthew Cleveland was held to 11 points. And compare that to what they did against Thomasville. Matthew Cleveland had 14 and 12. Josh Minenberg, they were daring Josh Minenberg to shoot threes, which he's a good three-point shooter, but I did watch some of that game. But he had 13 points, hit three threes. Josh Reed, 12 points, nine rebounds. Madison Durr, nine points, 11 assists. Cole Middleton, 13 rebounds. So if you're looking at this game, Columbia, I mean, they've already played them fairly close to one time, but Columbia, as I've been saying since the opening, you know, the very beginning of the season, if anyone can match up with Pace Academy, it is Columbia. Um, Phil McCrary, he's won state titles before. McCrary, he's, he's done it. He's done it before in a big way. Columbia was one of the uh, the biggest um, dynasties at the time back in the day uh, with how they were able to just – steamroll teams you're, you're looking at a team that won 2006 2008 2010 2011 2012 so there's five rings on that finger of uh of coach mccray over there so he it is not just you know it's not just Sharman white in this game that has won the big game so has columbia they have won the big game now that's years ago obviously but you know he came out of retirement it took him a, a couple, you know, seasons to get back into it, but Coach Phil McCrary has done it at the highest level. The doctor will have a good chance again, and I'm looking at this game as far as you know inside. You know, Cole Middleton, he's always able to overwhelm teams inside, and Matt Cleveland as well. But Mason Lockhart is a D1 post. He took it to Ryan Mutombo and gave him a good game. You know, Mason Lockhart averaging 14 points and 11, close to 11 rebounds per game. Rebound total is good for um, the best in the county. Uh, Kalsiki Ricks averaging close to 12 points and a DeKalb County best seven assists per game. So he is a creator. He gets other people involved. Um, Julius Lyman is a good rebounder, nine points per game, and he, he hits the glass at close to nine rebounds per game. You, you got outside shooters on this Columbia team that can stroke it. Kenneth Hardaway shooting 44% from three. Julius Coleman, 42% from three. Um, they have a lot of options. They really have a lot of options. Rashad Hedges can knock down the outside shot. And I think a guy that could be an X factor in this one with his athleticism and his shooting is Aquavius Harrison. He's had some nice performances, not always the number one option, but there are a lot of pl- pieces to choose, from, to choose from 
for Dr. Phil McCrary. So it's going to be a tough game. I think Pace Academy with Josh Reed is going to be uh, another X factor. Madison Durr, will he be able to score? He's really more of a facilitator at this point, but he's still a dangerous guy if you completely sag off him. Um, I'm going to go with Pace Academy just because they've been the best team all year long, but Columbia, the key to this game you got to be tough inside, and you have to get back in transition. Don't let Pace Academy get easy runouts. Force them to be an outside shooting team. If you can force Matt Cleveland into 20 and 25-foot three-pointers instead of five-foot dunks and you know layups up close, that will really help your cause. And Columbia, they're just going to have to hit outside shots in general. I named all these guys shooting over 40% from three. Spread the ball out, and it's going to have to be a by-committee approach. I don't think anyone's just going to you know, put them on their back and go for 25 points. It's going to be 12 points here, 14 points here, 10 points here, 12 points here. It's going to have to be a balanced attack if Columbia is to win this game. But again, I'm looking at this halftime score. Columbia, they're going to have to be close to a double-digit leader in this first half, I feel like, to have a chance to stave off Pace Academy because they've been just so strong in the second half and have blown past everybody. But I do think Pace Academy, they will win this game. But I do think it's going to be nip and tuck in that first half. But then I think the third quarter and maybe even the early fourth quarter could be the deciding factor. And I do think Pace Academy repeats and wins another state title. We now will move on to Class 5A. In Class 5A, the girls' state championship will start at 5 p.m. And in the girls' state championship, we have Woodward versus Forest Park. Two teams out of Region 3. They know each other very, very, very well. Um, Woodward was able to get a, an easy win over Griffin, 75-52. to 52. Um, just just too strong. I thought their offense was just going to be a little bit too much. And, uh, you know, they're back in, the, uh, back in the state title game for the first time in 22 years since Kim Lawrence, the head coach, was a junior on that team. So it's coming full circle for Woodward Academy. And in this game, you saw Sydney Bowles, 21 points, 10 rebounds. Sarah Lewis, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Kyla Neer, Getting on the scoring with 19 points, 7 rebounds, 5 steals. Mackenzie Mooring, 8 points. And on the other side, Forest Park, um, 61-50 to over uh, Dutchtown. Not a, a huge surprise here. Dutchtown did play them very well. Um, but this is a, a really good Forest Park team that hasn't been, you know, they haven't been as dominant because they have been beaten twice. And we'll touch on their, their, uh, their games against their games against Woodward Academy in just a moment. Um, but with Sanaya Fagan, she was just too long, too big. She had a really good game. I saw her you know, just getting out in transition and, and really making things happen. Um, but I do think this is going to be a, an interesting game. It's tough to beat a team three times. It is really tough to beat a team three times. And looking at what Woodward has been able to do against uh, this this uh, this team it's been it's been impressive because you don't see it quite often. Just in their first meeting, um, as I pull it up quickly, their first meeting it was a close one. It was uh, 55-51. Uh, Woodward won on the road, but then in their second meeting it wasn't as close whatsoever. It was an absolute blowout, seventy-one to forty-six. And in that second matchup. 
you know, I tend to feel like this game's going to be a lot closer than the second matchup. The second matchup, I mean, Sanaya Fagan was held to eight points. Uh, they just could not get anything anything going, and Sidney Bowles went crazy with 38 points, and Sarah Lewis had 21 points. And then your third leading scorer was Zoe Scott with six points. So those two players, and we know that Sidney Bowles can go, can go absolutely crazy and just dominate a game, and that's what we have seen. But, you know, this is the defending state champs, Forest Park, um, Sanaya Fagan, she ramped it up in the semifinal, had 28 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, had 8 blocks, uh, pretty much everything I thought she should be able to do against a Dutchtown team that just doesn't have a, a whole lot of impactful size inside. And in this game, it's it will be uh, it will be interesting to see which Forest Park team shows up. Is it a team that lost by 4 points or it was a team that got blown out in their second game against Woodward Academy? Um, Sanaya Fagan, she's going to have to be locked in from the very beginning. She has to be aggressive. I mean, she's going to have to, you know, it, 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 it's got to be a game where she scores over 20 points. It, it has to be. It has to be a game where she scores over 20 points. It's got to be, you know, 25 points and 12, 15 rebounds. She has to really carry this team. All-American going to South Carolina. This is her last hurrah. She has to carry this team, and she has to carry others along with her. Olympia Cheney going to UT Arlington. She has to knock down some outside shots. She has to knock down some outside shots. She averages 11 points per game. Uh, I think Yasmin Allen, uh, about 5'11", freshman, versatile piece, is going to have a really good future. She's going to have to be big. Uh, Jasmine Stevens going to Presbyterian, a 6-foot forward, a little bit inside out. She will have to play very well, but I do think at, at the guard spot, it's going to start with Olympia Cheney and then Galissa Knowles. Knowles did not score in the semifinals. She will not be able to replicate that and expect the same success. Um, I do think Woodward Academy, with their length, is just going to be very difficult. They just can throw so many girls at you with Mooring and Bowles and Lewis and Scott, and you got so many six foot to six foot two girls that you can throw out there. And Kyla Neer is a pest on defense; really gets after you. Um, I think this game's going to be much closer than her last game. I think it's going to be, clo- you know, more so like that first matchup when it was a four point game. Um, but either way, it's tough to beat a team three times. But I do think Woodward Academy will do so 5 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, I think they, they're just going to be able to pull it out. I think Sydney Bowles will have to have a big game. But again, you know, Sydney Bowles, she's been an outside shooter. Uh, will she be able to get accustomed to, the, um, to that backdrop of the arena uh, in a center plex? So a little bit more difficult, but she's still good enough. She can get to the basket. And I think Sarah Lewis, her emergence as a, a true second scoring option, has been key to their success this year. And I think Woodward Academy gets past Forest Park for the third time and wins a state championship, a state championship uh, for the first time since 1999. 5A boys, 5A boys, we have a, uh, a, a great matchup upcoming, I feel like, between Tri-Cities and Eagles Lane, that is number one versus number two in the state. Tri Cities twenty three and four, Eagles Landing twenty eight and one. They will play at seven thirty on this second day, a Thursday. And man, oh man, this is a this is going to be a good one. I really do think this could be a really good game. Obviously, Tri Cities is a team that I've been high on all throughout the season. You know, this is a team that's won a state championship a few years ago, and I think they're going to be really, really tough again. Uh, Peyton Daniels has been good 
all season long. Simeon Cuddle is a really good playmaker as well. Um, really brings uh, some good passing and you know shooting because they can really spread the floor. This 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 Tri Cities team can really space you out and spread the floor and knock down outside shots. And uh, I think that is going to be key for Eagles Landing is to close out on all these shooters and fly around on defense and make it difficult for Tri-Cities to really get into a groove. And that's, of course, easier said than done. But you're looking at this, uh, this Eagles Landing team. Um, it's, a, it's a really, really tough group. It's a really tough group. David Thomas is so good. He's been really carrying this team uh, all season long. And A.J. Barnes. Had another big double-double, I believe it was 15 points uh, and 12 rebounds. And then I think David Thomas had 18 points in that game. So those two guys right there, they've been so good for Eagles Landing. I mean, they curb-stomped Chapel Hill 91-49. to Tri-Cities beat Dutchtown 70-57, to and they pulled away um, as the game went on. But Eagles Landing, they, they didn't have to pull away. It was a bloodbath from the opening um, you know, inbound. They were up 40 points. In this game, they are that tough. And Jordan Fordyce added 16 points. Uh, Fabian De Silva uh, had 11 points. Jalen Hand 10 points. So Eagles Landing, they they shattered that that uh, that Sweet 16. Uh, you know, tough tough uh, curse, I guess you could say. But now they're playing exceptional basketball. This is a great team going up against Tri Cities again. Just diving into the matchup, it is going to be that guard play. Peyton Daniel, Simeon Cottle, Davon Cottle. Uh, even Chancellor Johnson can knock down some shots. All those guys against David Thomas. What can Davis Thomas do on the big stage? I think this could be the true birth of David Thomas's star really growing. I know I have always been high on him. I think he's one of those, you know, if if you're talking about Kanan Carlisle and Isaiah Collier being five stars, and David Thomas isn't too far behind. He's got to be at least a four star. Um, I think he could really put the entire state on notice and get some stars next to his name if he doesn't have them already. He's a big-time player. I think A.J. Barnes will be big with his rebounding in this game. You know, Devorian Rudolph has some length and size, and um, as is uh, uh, Elijah uh, Elijah King and uh, Mario McIntosh, and they have a lot of big bodies for Tri-Cities. But A.J. Barnes can really go up and get it, and he can cause some issues with his grab-and-go, coast-to-coast starting fast breaks. So I think the, the key for Tri-Cities is getting back in transition. And you could say the same for Eagles Landing, making sure that Tri-Cities doesn't pick you apart, um, but more so from the three-point line because they're so good at sharing the ball and that ball movement. Um, I think this is going to be a really good game. Of course, at this point of of the juncture, I don't think there's any bad games. Um, I'm going to stick with my original pick of Tri-Cities. I think Eagles Landing is going to fight, fight, fight. But I do think Tri-Cities, I'm just going with this team being pretty much all seniors. They've already won a state championship before. Um, and Peyton Daniels is going to lead the way going to Vanderbilt. And Omari Ford is a, a, a tactician over there. He's going to have so many sets that Coach Montgomery is going to have to be ready for. But I do think Tri-Cities, uh, just their outside shooting, I think, will propel them. And they'll hit some key shots late. And I think they put away Eagles Landing in a really good game. But I do think David Thomas and A.J. Barnes, if you didn't know who they were by now, uh, you will definitely know the, the dynamic duo from Eagles Landing at the end of the state championship. In day three, March 12th of Friday, Class 3A and Class 6A tip-off. Well, I guess not tip-off, but you're looking at two classifications. On the girls' side, 
two of the classifications I have pretty much nailed only have picked two games wrong in both of these. And let's start on the girls' side in Class 3A. In Class 3A, 12 o'clock on Friday, it is GAC defending their title against Cross Creek. And boy, oh boy, we had some great games to get here. Um, Let me preface this by saying, yes, this is the final four that I picked at the very beginning of the state playoffs. I picked, as I mentioned, every single game right except for two games. I picked Tattnall County to beat Burke County in the first round. I got that wrong, and I picked Coal Creek to beat Stevens County in the Sweet 16. That was wrong. Everything else, everything's right. You got to listen to the Spielman and Dealing podcast, but this is where it gets very, very, very tough. I don't think I'm going to switch my pick now. I, I followed Class 3A girls very, you know, intently. It's been a tough, competitive classification all year long, and to be able to nail pretty much every single game, uh, I'm going to stick with my original picks here, but let's talk about how we got here. GAC 48-35 over Ups and Lee. They beat the undefeated Knights. Ups and Lee could not score in the second half. They could not score in the second half whatsoever. I think they had, gosh, maybe like 10 points, less than 10 points, something like that. In the second half, it just went dry. They were not able to get up and down and run and use their athleticism to their advantage. That did not happen. GAC made them play a slow game. It was 23-23 at the half. And they finished with just 35 points and a 35-48 loss. So give credit to GAC. And again, you don't want to pick against Kaylee Addy this time of year. She had 18 points. JC Bolden has been stepping up big with 16 points. And Lauren Randolph, the big girl going to Memphis, had 9 points and a ton of rebounds and altered shots inside. On the other side, you know, um, not for just this game, but just... And in, in, in all games, always, especially this time of year, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And Cross Creek is definitely good, but, you know, they were fortunate that Lumpkin County was not able to foul on that last play because Cross Creek won a wild one, 46-45 at Lumpkin County, and an incredible crowd. You know, a last-second layup from Aaron Martin, uh, that just skimmed through the defense. They tried to foul at half court, but Lumpkin County could not execute the foul on uh, on Jordan Dorsey, and she laid it up at the buzzer to win. And Cross Creek, fortunate, but sometimes you know you have to be a little bit fortunate. Like I said, sometimes you have to have bounces go your way. Have to have uh, you know the basketball gods got to be shining on your side, and they were uh, as they stunned Lumpkin County. And what was a fantastic game. And before we break this down, um, I want to read an excerpt from the preseason state rankings. And I've been talking about it on the podcast, but you know we nailed this one on the head. We'll see if it comes to fruition or not. But as I wrote about Cross Creek, who opened up number four in the state to start the year, GAC number one in the state, this is what I wrote. Five foot nine guard Jordan Dorsey is a dynamic talent, one of the best players in the state that may not get as much credit as she deserves. She could be this year's Jaleesa Reese, who led America Sumter to the 4-8 state title. And what do we have here? Again, 
everything coming true. She has been a superstar. North Carolina A&T goes for 21 points against Lumpkin County with her quickness, her creative shot-making on the perimeter, her slashing to the basket. Jordan Dorsey has been carrying this team and has been playing at a big-time level. And you get the freshman Caleb Bogans had 10 points. Martin had 5 points. And Cross Creek survives um, uh, just a, a, a wild game against Lumpkin County. And you got to give Lumpkin County as much credit as possible. Um, they were tremendous all season long. But Cross Creek, they, they're fortunate to get out of there with the win. And now they're playing in the Macon Centerplex at 12 p.m. on Friday against GAC. And again, this is... This is a game I picked. These are the two teams I, I, I thought were going to match up, and it's, it's coming, to, coming to a head here. Um, GAC has been able to win these games. You know, they got the size inside. Molly Pritchard can rebound. Uh, JC Bolden's been hitting some shots. Some players have been stepping up. And then, of course, it's Kaylee Addy. But now, Kaylee Addy, she is going up against a legit, legit dynamic D1 talent that can match her in Jordan Dorsey. And. That is going to be worth the price of admission. I know I get in for free, so it's always worth the price of admission. But for everybody else, go ahead and drop on the NFHS network or get to the arena because that is going to be a fun matchup. Addy versus Dorsey, they're going to be going back and forth, back and forth. They're two teams. I think whoever plays a better game between those two um, wins the state title. But I think... um, I want to say GAC, I, I think they have a better supporting cast, and especially with how J.C. Bolden's been playing, I think she really helps his team um, you know, score from the perimeter. Now, Cross Creek, Aaron Martin can shoot the three-point shot, and Bogans has been a big key, big key piece for them um, that has helped solidify this roster. But I think the size inside for GAC, especially Lauren Randolph blocking shots, that could really bother them. But I think Dorsey is a special talent. And I do think, um, you know, as I said, I, I pretty much picked every single game right in Class 3A. And I don't want to go against what I picked originally, which was Cross Creek, to win the state title. Um, sometimes things don't necessarily match up on paper. If you look at it, maybe GAC matches up better. But um, games aren't won and lost on paper. I think this game is literally going down to the final buzzer again. I can't foresee this game being separated by more than four points i think cross creek wins this game i'm riding with my original pick but that is a scary proposition to pick against kaylee addy in a state championship game she's as good as they come she could go off for what she had like 28 points in the state title game last year somewhere in that area i think she could do it again this year but just because i've had so much success with my my picks in this bracket I'm going to stay with my original pick of Cross Creek, even though I feel like they could be a slight underdog here. I'm going to go with the Razorbacks to win their first ever state title. Now, on the boys' side of Class 3A, I don't know if this game's going to be any good. I hope it's decent, but I'm not going to hold my breath because Sandy Creek is just destroying teams in the first quarter and leaving no doubt, and then the game is over. And they did it again. They did it against Johnson Savannah. Johnson Savannah fought back. 
but the hole was too big and they lost uh 68 59 but then sandy creek 16 to 1 start against hart county and that was all she wrote 87 to 56 it was an ugly game uh jabari smith is unguardable closest thing to kevin durant we have um you know not quite as creative with the dribble but my goodness he shoots incredible from the three-point line the mid-range he's going to be an nba lottery pick he's going to be a millionaire in just a couple few years i hope he doesn't forget about the little people like us that covered him um but 30 points 15 rebounds three assists four steals six blocks and went with a 2-2-1 press and it just ate up absolutely ate up hart county they couldn't do anything they didn't have a safety valve in the middle they went with Sean Tease is our 5'10 guard in the middle, and that was just swallowed up by the length, so you didn't really have much of an option to even get it to the middle and try and look opposite. Um, they would just have to try and throw it long to Taj Johnson, and it just it just didn't work out at all. Deshaun Proctor, you know, he had 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 steals. Uh, we had a career day from Shane Erkins, who was drilling threes, had 16 points, and then Miles Rice didn't have to do much, 7 points, 5 rebounds, 10 assists, but, you know, they had... Micah Smith, Jabari Smith, Miles Rice, all those guys had two fouls in the second quarter and just too much athleticism, too much to do. Coach Nickerson just sat back, you know, it, it just a foregone conclusion that they, uh, once they got off to a quick start, they were going to win that game. And now they're seeing Cross Creek, who beat Windsor 4 77 76. Again, the big fell Corey Trotter with that late bucket on a lob play, um, tip in there to win it unbelievable but i you know i get i get worried i know richard visitation had 22 points antoine lorick had 22 and Corey trotter had 16 but again they don't have the size or the length to match up with jabari smith i love Corey trotter going to miles college great great post player but he doesn't have the length he doesn't just he's not going to be able to do anything with jabari smith you're talking about an all-american a future nba player they're just not going to have anything to match up with them. And Sandy Creek, with their overall you know, length, and they're just going to come at you and at you and at you. Now, I think it's going to be closer than the Hart County game. I think Cross Creek, they've been there before. They lost in the state title game last year to a similar team in Woodward Academy who eliminated Sandy Creek last year in the Class 4A um, state playoffs. Both these teams dropped down to 3A, and now they meet. Um, but I just don't foresee this game you know, being in the balance in the fourth quarter that would be a big surprise if it is i just don't think they have enough size and length and it's just going to wear on them and richard visitation is a great guard he's going to really have to make things happen and handle that pressure and beat the press and devin pope's going to have to knock down some outside shots but again the size the length it's just not going to be there for cross creek sandy creek has just been steamrolling everybody i mean again i don't even have to list off all the teams that they have beaten this year um, but I might do so just to let you know just how just how good this team is. They've played the best of the best. They beat Pace Academy. They beat in McEachern. They beat Milton. They beat Fayette County. They beat um, you know Tri City. So they beat Kale. So I'm just reading that off right now. And let's list it: Pace Academy. That's one team playing in the state title game. Milton. That's two teams playing in the state title game. Fayette County. That's three state title teams. Kale. That's four state title teams. Like, it's sick. It's ridiculous what this team has done. They have beaten four teams that have played, that are playing for state titles this week. And if you want to go into Final Fours, McEachern was in the Final Four. They beat them. Um, who else do you have? Anyone else? That might be it. 
Um, but the, it's just ridiculous what this team has done. Cross Creek is not going to beat Sandy Creek. They'll have to play the game of their life, and Sandy Creek is going to have to play their worst game of the season. But I just don't foresee it happening. Sandy Creek has, seriously, as I read off everything right there, you know, their only losses to Grayson, to Wheeler by one, to Eagles Landing, who's in the state championship. So looking at those right there, you got a Wheeler team playing for a state title that you lost to. You lost to Eagles Landing, who's playing for a state title. And they did have a, a, a loss to Newton, which was an outlier, but... This team has seen the best. They beat the best. They might be the best team in the state of Georgia this year, and Sandy Creek is going to beat Cross Creek. Now we move on to Class 6A. We'll start on the girls' side who plays at 5 p.m. And again, another classification. We said 3A girls and 6A girls, probably the most challenging, the most uh, competitive, deepest classes in the state. And we've been ice-cold money on it. I've only gotten two games wrong. Now, the one game I did get wrong was Buford losing to Lovejoy. And the other one was uh, in the Sweet 16 when Langston Hughes beat Rockdale. But your boy's been cash money on these picks. I've been hitting every single pick. And that's pretty impressive when it comes to how good these teams are. But we've been able to make it happen. So, again, if you've been listening to Spielin' and Dealing, some of these classifications, you have a pretty good idea of what's going on. And... No surprise here that I think everybody in the state had a pretty good idea that Westlake would be back in the state championship. But how about Carrollton? 73-48 over Lovejoy. I was concerned about Lovejoy's size inside, but they flipped a switch in the second half and beat the brakes off them. Damari Flournoy, 30 points. Vanderbilt, gosh, she's making a case for player of the year in the state and player of the year in this classification. And I know that's crazy to say because you have Raven Johnson and they're, they're two teammates in the travel ball season, but Damari Flournoy is just ridiculous. She is such a superstar. And to lead that team and beat Lovejoy, and they were just too fast all over the floor. And Janae Edwards, all these girls, you know, gathering rebounds together, group rebounding, and just, just being so fast for Lovejoy. What a win, Carrollton! Really, just what a great win. They are, you know, that might have been their best game of the season. What they just pieced together, and they are flying high into Macon, where they will see Westlake, sixty-eight thirty winner over River Ridge. No surprise. Brianna Turner, seventeen points. Tania Latson, eighteen points. And Raven Johnson, she had that get-back game. You know, I think she had seven points in the round before, but she got right with twenty-two points. And now they see. Carrollton again this is a matchup we picked at the beginning of the tournament does Carrollton have a chance I think Carrollton has a chance I know they're they're definitely coach Thomason's playing that underdog card that heavy underdog card uh, which they need to be doing because anyone would be an underdog against Westlake but is Westlake truly unbeatable like, I don't know if a team from Georgia is going to beat them. They've won over 100 straight games in the state of Georgia. They've never lost to a team in Georgia with this senior class. This is the greatest dynasty we've seen in the state of Georgia in the past you know, X amount of years, definitely in the new millennium. Um, but I don't know. What's, what's going to happen? Carrollton, I think the key here is can they handle any pressure that Westlake brings? And, of course, again, it's the same thing over and over. I keep harping on it. You have to eliminate loose ball turnovers. You cannot turn the ball over and let them go down and just get easy layups. So that being said, that's that's not rocket science. We all know that by now. But I think Kahinde Abasoy, she is going to be very key handling the ball with the Ghost Abasoy, uh, Fournoy, 
those three right there, they have to handle any pressure that Westlake brings their way, and they have to protect the ball. I think they're going to have to hit some outside shots, obviously. Demari Flournoy, you know, you already know if, if Westlake, what Westlake's going to play. Are they going to play that 2-3 zone? Are they going to do something to just cut off the head of the snake and try and take away Flournoy? If that's the case, of course, I would think Raven Johnson might draw that assignment. They know each other so well playing with FBC. Um, she's going to know her instincts and her tendencies. But the key is for Carrollton, I think, you know, the, the ball's going to be in Flournoy's hands a lot. And if if she runs out of gas, they're going to be in trouble. But they're going to have to make sure she, you know, whether it's off the dribble or what, they're going to have to find some easy looks for her sometime. And I know it's going to be hard, but they have to somehow construct some, you know, three-point chances maybe off the dribble uh, on a drive-and-kick opportunity to her. Give her some space to get her feet set and score. And I know she has that elite step-back dribble that loses defenders. And hopefully they're not going to be calling it a, a, a travel they're going to have to make sure she has everything by the book there. I know I've talked to some, some referees and said sometimes it looks right and sometimes it's not, and they're going, to be, they're going to be focused on that. So if she's not able to hit her step-back dribble and it's not by the letter of the law, that could be an issue because she needs to be able to create space. But she has to hit downs, hit some outside shots. I think Kanija Daniel is going to be really big in this game, You know, battling with Snoop Turnage. Just using that length and athleticism. If Carrollton presses, they're going to have to pick up some steals. And I don't know if they're going to press Westlake. Um, it's just a scary proposition with Latson and Johnson racing down the floor. And then you have Missy McKinney just standing under the basket for layups. Um, I don't know what the game plan is going to be. But I do know Carrollton, they're going to they're gonna do the best they can. Janae Edwards is going to have to rebound. But if they can make this more of a half-court game, at least for Westlake keep Westlake in the half court they might have an opportunity but I think it's going to be tough again I'm I'm not bold enough you have to have some big time balls to pick against Westlake and I'm not going to talk about that my personal life like that but I don't have that that type of uh cojones to pick against Westlake in a game in the state championship when it's about to finish off the best dynasty ever I think Carrollton is going to give them a a heck of a fight, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know if they have enough down the stretch. But if this game is close in the fourth quarter, I'm telling you, anyone's game. But if this is a double-digit lead heading into the fourth quarter. I think Westlake's going to close it out and four-peat. Um, but I do think I'm going with my original pick. As I said, my you know I've been on the money with 6A so far, and it could all come crashing down and be terrible, terrible, terrible. But I don't have that much of, um, you know, I'm not that brave to pick Carrollton over Westlake, and for that reason, I am picking Westlake to win their fourth straight state title. And now, we have 6A boys. What is this? This is round four, huh? And we I said that, uh, you know, on CTC Athletics, are we going to see a round four? We're seeing a round four. Number one Wheeler versus number two Kill. First, let's talk about the semifinals. Wheeler, they were in a dogfight with Centennial, but they slowly uh, scratched it away, 73-63. Caleb Washington came up big with 25.7 rebounds. Isaiah Collier, 13 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals. Jaheim Hudson, 12 points, 12 rebounds. Max Harris, 10 points, 4 rebounds. And Kedrick Oliver, 10 points and 5 rebounds. And then on the other side, Kell had to go all the way down to Leesburg. It is just ridiculous, um, you know, tough to play down there. Great crowd. And uh, kudos, Kervin Davis. He did a hell of a job 
hell of a job. He's got to be in the discussion for Coach of the Year. Uh, just with what he was able to do, even though they did have that home court advantage throughout the postseason, but they gave a great fight to Kel. Kel finally pulled it out after it was up in the balance, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. They kind of got a little bit of separation, but 60 to 55 Kel wins. Scoot Henderson, 21 points, six rebounds, five assists, and four steals. Dylan Cambridge, 16 points, and 10 rebounds. So, round four, and I think this is what everyone expected, everyone wanted. And as I said, I said, you know, when I picked this game or picked the, the original brackets, I, I did pick a, a round four. But I said, it's by no means expect this game to be, you know, they're just going to cakewalk to it. I mean, Wheeler's had a pretty easy time. Centennial gave them their, their biggest challenge of the postseason. But Kell has had some wars. A two-point win over River Ridge in the first round. They pulled away from Shiloh late for an eight-point win. They beat Westlake by ten. And then they win by five against Lee County. Um these two teams, looking at what they did throughout this season over there in Region 6, their first meeting, 74-73 in favor of Wheeler in overtime. The second meeting, 68-65. This time, it was, again, Wheeler pulling it out, winning by three points. And then we move on to the region championship a game where i was at there was bad blood after the whistle people going on to the stands parents talking to coaches heated discussions after the game oh my gosh there was a lot going on but it was kell in double overtime 78 71 they won between uh, Scoot Henderson's 26 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. Jalen Harris really carried them in the first half with 16 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists. And Dylan Cambridge, 10 points on the other side. Jaheim Hudson, 22 points, 13 rebounds, 1 assist, and 2 blocks. And Caleb Washington scored 16 before fouling out. So, what can we expect here? I think the key in this game is, you know, Kel... They, they, they showed they could beat Wheeler. They won the region championship. It took them to double overtime to do so. They played at Wheeler. Crazy atmosphere. They found a way. And that, you know, that, that obviously gives you confidence saying, hey, we just beat them last time. We can beat them again. But they have to expend so much energy. That size advantage is just so glaring for Wheeler. And, you know, they, Wheeler was up. I want to say it might have been double digits early on. They were in pretty smooth control of this game before uh, FGCU signee Jaheim Hudson got in foul trouble. He went to the bench, and that is when Scoot Henderson started to attack the rack and attack the rack and attack the rack, and he got hot, and he started going, and he really took over in that third quarter, um, and that's what gave Kell that momentum, and they took a three-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, but that, that's going to be key foul trouble. If, if Wheeler, if Jaheim Hudson gets in foul trouble, that's going to be, um, it's going to make things difficult for Wheeler. If Kell gets him in foul trouble, I mean, that's going to open up driving lanes. I know Kedrick Oliver is a big six foot five and Caleb Washington going to Dayton is six foot eight, but more of a perimeter player. That's going to open up a a lot. And again, I, I say it a million, million, million times. It's Jaheim Hudson who makes this Wheeler team elite, and it starts defensively in the paint. He's a great player. 
a dominant post presence that can score inside, but you know he can do a lot of damage defensively, and that is what separates his team. But again, for Kelly, you have to see who is going to step up outside of Scoot. If Scoot has a little bit of a slow start, who's going to be there? It was Jalen Harris last time. Um, we just said Dylan Cambridge had a really good game in the Sweet 16, but this is a team that plays very scrappy. They don't have a lot of size. Aaron Smith battles in the paint. Najee Cologne's a tough guard. They will draw a lot of charges. Paris Johnson has hit some big three-pointers um, throughout this stretch run here. They play extremely hard for Coach Sellers and Coach Markeski. They they really lay it all out on the line. They play for their community and they know they they understand they are an underdog. And trust me, I know there's there's not a lot of uh you know roses and Valentine's Day gifts being exchanged between these two programs because you are looking at two programs that traditionally have been polar opposites. You know, Kel mostly homegrown. Wheeler, I don't need to tell you where all these kids came from. I'm sure you could look it up on the, the Sandy Spiel transfer list. These guys aren't homegrown. Um, but sometimes that happens when you build a program and people want to come there and come there and come there. So I won't touch on that too much. I think you you know the history between uh, you know th- those two schools and what one of those programs likes to do but a lot of talent here um, I am picking I, you know I picked these two teams have run number one and number two all throughout the year I think Wheeler's been coast to coast number one I don't know if anyone has usurped Kel for number two in the state but I'm pretty sure that was that might have been running one and two for pretty much the whole season. Maybe Kale opened up at three. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I know they've been sitting at two for the very longest, longest time. Um, I personally think in this game, I am going with Wheeler to repeat as state champs 7A last year, 6A this year. Again, for all those reasons I mentioned, I just think they have so many weapons. Like you got Max Harris is a big guard that can shoot from the outside. A.J. Burke comes in and is a three-point sniper I mean there's just so many more options to choose from um, when they have you know all these kids that have have come together and formed such a good team and Larry Thompson is a very good coach and he doesn't lose many games once he gets to the making centerplex I don't know what his uh, overall record is in making but I know he doesn't have too many too many uh, markings on that right side of the win-loss column. I think it's a lot more on the left side as far as wins go. Not many losses. Um, so this is a team that's going to anchor it down. I could see this being a low-scoring game as far as defense. It's really just just clamping down. This could be a game that could be played in the in the 60s and be a really physical game. And I think it's going to be important to see how this game is officiated. Are they going to let them play? Is it going to be a really tight whistle? Are they going to try and set the tone? That could be something to watch for because early foul trouble, that could be an issue for either one of these teams, whether it's Hudson or or Oliver or maybe it's Cambridge inside or someone, Aaron Smith. It, it could come down to someone getting a quick two, three fouls and having to go to the bench. But I just think, you know, Scoot Henderson, he has a lot on his shoulders. He has to be, he has to be terrific. He has to be outstanding from the opening inbound. And I... I think they're going to be right there at the end of this game, but I just feel like Wheeler with their size, I think they're going to be able to wear. They might grab a couple offensive rebounds or deflect some shots late. And for that reason, I do think Wheeler in a classic, in a close one, I think they pull it out in a defensive battle, a real grimy grudge match type game. But I do think Wheeler beats Kell 
for the third time and wins a second straight state title. The final day of the GHSA high school basketball season concludes March 13th, Saturday at the Macon Centerplex with Class A Public and Class 7A. Class A Public girls at 10 a.m., boys 12.30. Then we come back later at 7 for 7A at 5.30 and then 8 p.m. with the adapted sports in between. That's why you have a big gap between 12.30 and 5.30. Class A public girls We'll break it down. As I mentioned, 10 a.m. on Saturday. We had Clinch County, a 58-52 winner over Greenville. They will play Calhoun County, 46-38 over Commerce. Commerce, what a great season they had. But these two teams, this is who I picked at the beginning of the postseason for a state title matchup, and I picked Clinch County to win it all because I feel like this Clinch team is like Wheeler County last year. Maybe not as balanced, but... A team that has been close and close and getting better and better and better. And Angel McCray, just watching her for a couple seconds on the broadcast. Oh my gosh, what a thoroughbred out there. She is just a beast. And then you have Zahia Johnson at the guard spot. Those two dynamic, just attack, attack, attack for Coach Daniel. They were able to hold off Greenville in what was a you know a pretty good game. It looked like they were pulling ahead, clinch, and then Greenville came surging back in that second quarter, and then it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, and then Clinch County made the proper plays down the stretch to win at Greenville in Calhoun County. It wasn't easy, but they got the job done. So what is going to happen in this one? That is a good question as I continue to ask that along every single classification. Calhoun County, of course, to Kia Davis inside. Shot blocker, about six foot two, going to USC Upstate. She is going to be an issue inside, especially if uh, Johnson and McRae try to drive the basket. If they try to drive to the basket, they will be met with resistance. Now, Davis has to make sure she stays out of foul trouble. I know over the course of her career, and it's been you know years ago by now, but she has gotten into some foul trouble in some state playoff games, if I'm not mistaken. And she has to make sure that does not happen this year or they will be in trouble because she is that, that trump card that can just uh, you know just shut down one part of the paint. And that is so important to have someone that can do something like that. So she will have to uh, really do a good job of defending, blocking shots without fouling. As I look at some of these other players on this Calhoun County team, Ianni Mansfield, another senior. This is a real senior-heavy group, and you'll uh, you'll catch the gist of that as I list it off. Um, you know, with her uh, senior right there, a couple other seniors in this 2021 class. Um, you have Destiny Hightower. You have uh, Tasha Curry, Janiah Wimberly, all these girls. They've all been there. Even Jatira Winbush, she's a, a year younger, but she was on that team. And this is a team, you know, this core roster, they did play for a state title not too long ago. Uh, they came up short uh, when they were beat by Marion County, 50-38. to 38, But that was back in, oh, boy, what was that? Back in 2018, maybe? Does that sound right? 2018? 2019. 
these girls played for a state title. Didn't get the job done, but they've been right there for a long time knocking on the door. Um, and for that, you know, that I, we just mentioned Wheeler County and how I, I, I kind of liken Clinch County to them, but you could say the exact same for Calhoun County, a team that's been close and close and close and just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Um, in this game, my original pick has been Clinch County. They are a they are a four time state champion, last coming in nineteen ninety three. I'm I'm gonna continue to roll with them. I think Calhoun County might be a little bit deeper, and like I mentioned with Davis inside, that's gonna really alter things around the rim. Um, but I just think Johnson and McCray they're they're very tough. They're very good. They're lightning quick, and if they can press and get this game going back and forth, back and forth, I think they can have that foot speed to kind of make it a track meet. And you know, hopefully, on and their their side of things, kind of negate Takia Davis's overall um, impact on this game. So I have Clinch County winning this one. Uh, a lot of seniors on both sides of the roster, both sides of the floor, um, but I do like that dynamic duo of McCray. And Johnson, and if they could get someone else to step up like they did in this, uh, I think they got in the Elite Eight when they beat ECI, or actually uh, when they beat Lake Oconee Academy, excuse me, 57-53, they get one more score, that third option to give you maybe 12-10 points, 10-12 points, I think they'll be able to get the job done, so I'm going with the Pantherettes. On the boys' side, boy oh boy, Towns County, 59-45 winner over Chattahoochee County, I I think we got that one right in our previous podcast. Then Hancock Central, defending state champ, 73-72 over Dublin. Again, Peanut, Jamal Taylor, it's just like a historic run he's been on. He hits a three from half court at the buzzer to stun Dublin. Incredible. Incredible. He had 17 points in the game. Leroy Wilson had 17, and Marquavius Lawrence had 20 incredible and again you know Hancock looking at where they were were ranked this year like we had to drop them because they weren't playing any games like they finished the season ranked number five they're 15 and one overall but if you remember um pretty sure they opened up the season number one but after they did not play for the first two months they had to drop in the rankings and that's why I was trying to say these rankings be very careful these are not uh, set in stone, especially for these lower classifications, because I do have to play the game of rankings. Because if I just thought, okay, this team's the best, like I can't have a team that played three games be ranked number one when everyone else has played 16, 17 games. That's not the case. I've never ridden off Hancock Central. And, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, sometimes, you know, you got to have luck on your side. And damn it, I think a, a three-point shot, that's, that's some pretty fortunate luck. Uh, luck shining on your side right there, even though Fighting Irish are supposed to have all the luck. But Hancock Central, Jamal Taylor, he just finds ways to win big games. And now they have a chance to repeat as state champs. Towns County versus Hancock Central. Two very different teams. Now let's let's be honest. Towns County, they don't look like the, the typical Class A public team that you see playing for a state championship. This has been a team that had a couple guys move in from the Carolinas, and they have really bolstered this team. They were a solid team last year, but with Jake McTaggart coming in at six foot seven, he's just been, you know, you can't handle him in this level. K Bell is separated shoulder. He's out for the season, but he was a dang good scorer as well. A um, couple other guys, but those two alone, and then you add him into Colby Moss, who's been a region player. I want to say one region player of the year. He's just been so 
so tough and just so crafty at getting to the basket and drawing fouls and has a young Harris offer. Um, so when I'm looking at these two teams, I'm thinking on paper, I think Towns County might be better than Hancock Central on paper. I mean, Jake McTaggart is going to be an issue. He's six foot seven. He's not a string bean. He is rock solid six foot seven, tight end on the football team, a big bruiser. Hancock Central, Marquavius Lewis or Lawrence, who had twenty points, he's a six foot tall post player. I mean, I know he's he's physical, he's gonna have a low center of gravity, and I expect that he's gonna be able to try and push push McTaggart out of the lane, but McTaggart if he is able to assert himself inside and play big, he is going to be really tough to stop. And that opens up driving lanes for Colby Moss and Aiden Barong and Colin Crowder, all these guys. This team has a lot of firepower. They have a lot of weapons at Towns County. And like I said, this is uncharted territory. You don't you just don't you just don't see uh, you know, North Georgia teams in Class A public playing for a state title. It never happened. It's always Middle Georgia and South Georgia and athletes, athletes, athletes with football players. And, you know, Towns County, as I mentioned, they do have a couple dual sport guys, but they come at you and they come at you. Um, I think Cave Ellis not having him, that, that, that really hurts in a game like this just because you need someone that's quick and can match that foot speed of uh, Jamal Taylor who's been clutch and key all down the stretch. Um, and again, looking at this game on paper, I think Towns County with the big guy, if I'm just looking at position by position, Jake McTaggart, Hancock Central shouldn't have anybody that can really slow him down. Um, but Hancock Central, it's going to be somewhat of a home game for them, a little bit close to a home game. Now, I know Towns County, everybody is going to come to that game. Everyone is going to be um, making their way down to Macon. Um, but I think Hancock Central, they just have this this good fortune. It's super tough to win back-to-back state titles. Um, Jamal Taylor is just, uh, he just pulls it out of his hat. He just finds ways to win games close. And if Towns County doesn't have a, a significant lead, a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter, I very much worry about uh, what Hancock Central can do. And for that reason, even though I do think Towns County might you know, should win this game between Moss and McTaggart. Again, I just think he's a mismatch issue inside. I think Hancock Central, with that that Jamal Taylor and that Leroy, Leroy Wilson, and even Lawrence, if he can scratch out some points and play good physical defense inside, I think I'm going with Hancock Central to repeat as state champions. Class 7A is the final classification of the 2020-2021 GHSA basketball season. It's been a long route to get here, and parity is very much alive. 5.30 will be the start in the GHSA state championship on the girls' side. Boy, oh boy, did we have some interesting results. And, you know, this is going to be the first time since 2009 in the state's highest classification that a team not named Norcross, McEachern, or Westlake will win a state title. 2009, since Redan did it, we had Marietta beat McEachern at Marietta 62-61. A star was born. We already said Chloe Sterling is a superstar, and she absolutely cemented it. She was the best player on the floor, 
better than the All-American Jill Hollingshed, who fouled out early in the fourth quarter. Lauren Walker gave her fits inside. Lauren Walker struggled offensively, 2 of 10 from the field, but had 13 points and had 14 rebounds and did a nice job defensively. But it was Chloe Sterling, 33 points, creating off the dribble. Step back three. She was 4 of 5 from downtown. Um, had eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, only three turnovers. This girl right here, Chloe Sterling, she has to be in the discussion as one of the best point guards in the state of Georgia, especially for her classification, only a junior. I mean, it is. she put on a show, and she really, really took it to McEachern, and they got enough, got enough help elsewhere. MJ Harris had eight points. Lauren Nelson had five points. That was pretty much it. Aja Smith had one point. Kayla Day had two points. But Sterling and Walker did the heavy lifting in this one. And now they get over their, their arch nemesis, their huge rival. Now they see Woodstock, 75-58 over Brookwood. Bridget Upberg has just been on a tear in the postseason, 29 points. Again, carrying this team. Um, you see Carson Martin get 17 points, a sophomore. You see Savannah Casey, 6-3, going to Georgia College. She had 11 points. Sarah Grace Bertolini with 7 points. So everything coming together at the right time for Woodstock. So Marietta versus Woodstock. What great parody we have. We're talking about a Woodstock team that sat at, I want to say they sat at number 3 for a couple weeks early on in the season. Then COVID hit and it was start and stop and they came back and did not look very good. And they've been pounded multiple times by Cherokee they got the two seed so I was like man this team they can't beat Cherokee they can't even win their own region but um it looks like a a blessing in disguise because they got put up in that top right hand side of the bracket and the right the whole right side of the bracket was not as strong as the left side of the bracket um so they were able to get past North Gwinnett they beat Archer in a really good game, 52-49. They handled a dangerous Newton team, 64-39, and then they beat Brookwood. Whereas Marietta, I, I do think they've had a, a harder a harder road. They, they, I, and they had to win some games at the buzzer, multiple games at the buzzer. Marietta, 52-49. Chloe Sterling coming up big to beat Pebble Brook. Um, Marietta, 58-54 over Parkview. Another back-and-forth game. In overtime, 54-53 against Cherokee. Guess who? Chloe Sterling. And then 62-61 against McEachin. I think this is going to be a really good game because I do think, again, you do have two superstar guards. Two superstar guards near the very best in the state of Georgia in Utberg versus Chloe Sterling. It's going to come down to those two. Who's going to limit turnovers? And again, a little bit of the uh, the supporting cast. I think Lauren Walker, she's going to have to have a big game. She's going to have to be efficient scoring the ball. It can't be a two-for-ten night. It's going to have to be a lot better um, because Woodstock, what they do have, Casey Miller has some bulk, and then Savannah Casey, uh, you know, you're just looking at those two girls right there. That's a lot of size. Casey, we already said 6'3", super long, not the most physical presence, but she is a big body and does have length. And then uh, we already talked about, we just mentioned uh, Miller, uh, what she has provided since transferring in from Northside uh, Columbus. Casey Miller, a big sophomore, averaging six points and eight rebounds. And, uh, you know, able to be rough and tumble inside. So those are two big bodies that Lauren Walker is going to have to deal with. Now, she just dealt with Jill Hongshed and helped foul her out of the game. So that's a key 
key piece right there. But other than her, it, does Marietta have that length? I think top to bottom, as far as we're looking at pieces and pieces, like I got a good shooting guard. I got a good point guard. I have length inside. I have uh, defensive stoppers. I think Woodstock might have more pieces in this game. But I'm going to roll with Marietta. You know, they haven't won a state title since 1951. Chloe Sterling has been going crazy, as has Bridget Utberg, but Marietta has proven they can win the close game. They've had a tougher road. They've seen um, maybe a tougher schedule, a little bit tougher schedule, but not by much. It's been pretty comparable. Um, but I think Marietta is ready. They got over that hump of McEachern. They're going to the centerplex 5.30 on Saturday. I think it's going to go down to the wire, as I've said about pretty much every single game for the most part. But I had to go at Marietta in a close game. I don't know how you pick against Chloe Sterling but what she's been able to provide. Lauren Walker, I think she's able to have a strong game around the rim. And then I think Kayla, uh, Kayla Day, just a, a freshman, she provides such good defense. Uh, she gets after it. Uh, MJ Harris and Lauren Nelson, they play good roles as well. And I think Coach DeWitt carries Marietta to the promised land in a close game. But again, it's going to come down to can you somehow slow down Bridget Utberg? And it goes to Woodstock. Can you slow down Chloe Sterling? It comes down to the two guards. But I do think Marietta, just at what they've been able to see throughout the year, I think Marietta has a game plan. And I think Marietta wins the Class 7A state championship. 8 p.m. will be the bewitching hour as the final game of the GHSA season comes to a close. I guess it comes to a start at 8 p.m. It'll come to a close in maybe an hour and a half after that or so. Milton versus Berkmar. Both these teams have been building their rosters to get to this point. Milton, number one in the state, 27-2 and two, versus Berkmar, 25-5. and five. A team... Um, that got past McEacher in 59-58 in a really close, good game. Um, they were able to get a balanced scoring effort. Uh, Jamari Hill, 14 points. Daryl Londe, 14 points. Jamel Rideout, 12 points. Malik Ewing, 11 points. And then Milton, um, it was kind of back and forth early, and then they got a big lead, and then Pebblebrook tried to close the gap, but they could never really do so. 74-67 over Pebblebrook. Kanan Carlisle, 24 points. Brock Bidwell going to Campbell, 20 points, 5 rebounds. LT Overton, 13-11 and 11 inside. Bruce Thornton hasn't really had to score all that much this year. 7 points, 8 assists. Cam Walker, 5 points. Kendall Campbell, 5 points. These two teams have seen each other before. They played early, early, early in the season at Holiday Hoops Giving on the 28th of November. Milton won that game. Milton looks a lot different. They did not have LT Overton. They were missing a couple guys uh, at that juncture of the season. But Milton won 62-54 in this game. And it was a it was a good game until the fourth quarter. Milton used a 16-7 fourth quarter advantage to pull away and beat Berkmar. Now, Berkmar, their largest lead of the game, it was only one point, and that was in the first quarter. So Milton, they led pretty much throughout. They had this game in control. Berkmar led by for less than three minutes of the game, and Milton led for over 27 minutes. So that kind of tells you right there what this game was like. Uh, Milton won the points in the paint battle, 32-30. to 30. Berkmar 
off turnovers had 10 points compared to Milton's eight. Second chance points, we were even, 11 apiece. Fast break points, Burkmar 14 to Milton's 11. And then Milton had 11 points off the bench to Burkmar's six. Malik Ewing uh, led the team in scoring for Burkmar, had 12 points, well, actually nine points. He had nine points and 12 rebounds, led them in rebounding, excuse me. But Jamel Rideout led the team with 17 points. And Daryl Londe, 14 points and nine rebounds. And on the other side, Kanan Carlisle, 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Kendall Campbell, 13 and six. Bruce Thornton, 10 and eight. And 11 points for Cameron Walker. So that's a rundown of what did happen. But let's talk about what will happen. Uh, for Burkmar to win this game, I think Malik Ewing, he, he just has to be a stud inside. And it's going to be tough because Overton is so physical and Campbell is six foot eight and very athletic, but he's going to have to have a big game. I saw him, he was hitting, he had some big outside shots. He had a big three down the stretch against McEachern, Ewing did. And I think he's going to have to be able to stretch the floor and show off his whole, his whole package versatility and, uh, just, Raw talent is going to have to win out here. I think Jamari Hill, who only had six points in the first meeting, he's going to be key. But he is really a downhill slasher. Um, I think Burkmar is going to have to hit some outside shots to win this game. They were just 3 of 15 um, from beyond the arc in their first meeting compared to 6 of 16 for Milton. They're going to have to hit some outside shots. But I think Milton, they're just going to be so tough with Bruce Florence. And I just, I, at this type of a stage, a state championship I just don't see him making too many mistakes. I think if this game is close down the stretch, I'm not picking against Bruce Thornton. He's just been so good throughout his career, even though he hasn't really had to score the ball that much. But don't be surprised if he comes out and seizes a moment and scores you know, 18 points or 20 points and carries Milton to the finish line. Um, I just think Milton, they have that cohesion. They have a lot of good ball handlers. Uh, they can shoot the ball lights out. Cannon Carlisle has really come on strong with his mid-range and his three-point shot. They're really going to challenge Burkmar defensively. Jamil Rydat will have to be key in this game for Burkmar, and he's going to have to do it on both ends of the floor. It's going to have to be lock-up defense on whoever he's assigned to, either Carlisle or Thornton. And then on the other side, he has to really let it rip from the three-point line from his mid-range. He's going to have to create, and he's going to have to create a lot of opportunities for his teammates as well, but... You know, the hardest thing to do in the nation is win a Class 7A state championship in the state of Georgia, especially if you are the favorite. And Milton is the favorite in this one. So Burkmart, even though they know they're really good, they're coming in with house money. No one's expecting them to win this game, even though they do have immense talent. No one is going to be picking Burkmar. Uh, I think everyone's going to be rolling with Milton. I think Burkmar has a chance to do something special here. But I'm going with Milton. I'm not picking against my original pick. I think they get the job done for the reasons mentioned. Bruce Thornton down the stretch will just be too big, too key, too smooth with the ball. I got Milton winning the final game of the GHSA season. And I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast all throughout the postseason. As I mentioned, we we did all right. We hit 25 out of our 32 picks in the final four, but... State championships, this is where people really put my feet to the fire. you got to know what you're talking about this time of year. and uh, I'm hoping I, 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 I pick most of these games right. What I'm really hoping for is I'm hoping for a lot of good games. I'm hoping for some memorable state championship moments, whether it's buzzer beaters or you know 
crazy finishes. And I also hope I don't I, I hope we don't have anything controversial as far as you know baskets. I think making's all good. Hopefully everything runs smoothly. It should be good. Again, if you're a media member, if you're gonna be sitting close to the floor, bundle up. They still have ice under the floor. I'm gonna have to go probably pick up some more wool socks now that I think about it right now to make sure I don't get frostbite. But it's been a tremendous season. Thank you so much to everybody that has subscribed to sandyspiel.com. You've been able to stay in track and keep keep in touch with everything going on in the state of Georgia when it's been a crazy year as far as what's going on with the rankings, teams starting and stopping. You've been able to check our analysis. I've done the best I can to provide coverage in such a challenging year for everybody from 7A to A public, getting out to so many gyms across the state. Um, it, it's just been a real passion project it's been fantastic i've been blessed enough to do podcasts and to do radio shows national radio shows and local radio shows all across the state of georgia to promote these student athletes and really shine a light on everybody so you know i I love the state of georgia the ghsa it's been great and thank you so much for following along and remember um, sandyspill.com we will have write-ups of all the state championship games recaps as they go final and stay tuned for state uh, the final state rankings. I guess those will come out on Sunday and Monday most likely. And then we'll have all state selections the following week. And uh, a short little plug, we will be having the CTC comeback at Alatoona High School on March 21st, the boys and girls camp. Check that out at createtheculture.org or also visit sandyspill.com for more information. But... To wrap everything up, thank you so much. We may, we may have a somewhat of a rapid reaction, you know, bow and ribbon, tie everything up. Uh, final podcast to wrap up everything that's happened in the state championships. We will see if there's any energy left, any gas left in the tank for me. But if we don't, thank you so much for joining us on this journey and supporting all these kids. And I appreciate everything. And I will see you in Macon.